Now back to On the Block with Strick and Austin on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Back at it here, hour one of On the Block on 93.7 The Ticket. Glad you're along for the ride with us here. Uh, we're on, with you on the stream from 2 to 4. Royals currently playing on the FM dial. Uh, but we have more important things to do right now on the stream. We're joined uh, on the Honda of Lincoln Hotline by Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Evan, eight games in 10 days for Nebraska baseball. Didn't get off to a good start this weekend at Iowa. The offense was rough. Uh, the pitching was rough. They do bounce back with a win over Omaha last night. As you look at this last four-game stretch for Nebraska, what stands out? Well, you know, the Iowa series, it's tough to, I think, maybe put too much of a trend onto it. I think the Hawkeyes are a good team. I, To me, they were the preseason, or maybe not preseason, but early season Big Ten favorites. And I think they've really proven that they still have that ability uh, with a deep staff that held Nebraska down. I think they outscored them 25 to seven in that series. Uh, Probably the most disappointing part of the weekend was the starting pitching though. When you have your three weekend guys combined to give you fewer than seven innings, that's generally a recipe for disaster. And so that put a lot of pressure on the bullpen, which did okay. But Iowa was chasing runs all weekend against, uh, you know, again, a really talented and deep staff that Iowa had on that side. And, and they have a good coach in Rick Heller, who's had Nebraska's number for a number of years uh, in the Big Ten. So, you know, it's it's sort of the the ebbs and flows of a baseball season where you feel great about sweeping Northwestern the weekend before, and then you, you get the broom handed to you in Iowa city. But, you know, I think in the big picture, Austin, what it does is it clarifies that this team uh, for Nebraska uh, can pretty much move on from the at large NCAA conversation um, barring, you know, maybe winning out the rest of the way. Uh, This is a team that's going to have to win the big 10 tournament to, qualify for uh, an NCAA postseason. So I think this next month sort of becomes building momentum, building confidence, solidifying any other roles that might be out there. Um, But, you know, it's, I I think we've, we've reached the point in the season where we see there's some star power that this team has. There are some moments when they can beat just about anybody, but the challenge for them has been week in, week out, game in, game out, finding that consistency, especially with the arms. It's funny that that's the the issue for Nebraska that night tonight because when I think of the you know the personality of the head coach Will Bold it's you know gritty not pretty it's you know he might not have the most star power but you show up night in night out do you think that 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 weekend series in Iowa City maybe opens some eyes on the team and we'll start to see more of the character of the head coach come out throughout the rest of the season? It's possible. Uh, you think about Nebraska's best team in recent memory, the 2021 club. They <clears throat> got swept at home by Rutgers and. Mm-hmm. That was a weekend where, uh, you know, there's a lot of frustration and, and that team was able to turn things around, use that as sort of a wake up call down the stretch. And they played really good baseball that, that rest of the way in that season. So, you know, it's possible that this team can kind of take that experience in Iowa City and, and use it to sort of galvanize each other. And, you know, for what it's worth, I thought the game at Omaha last night had elements of that where you have a guy like Drew Christo who comes in and who's one of the more popular guys on the team who's, who struggled early in his career. Uh, and he goes out there and, and strikes out eight over four and uh, clearly had guys that were happy for him afterward. 
I thought, um, you know, something that the team has worked on that Will Bolt has mentioned before has been the intent of the dugout is what he calls it, where guys who are not in the game are actively engaged and supporting the guys that are out there. And that sort of can add to some momentum. I, I think you could feel that at Tal Anderson Field last night, too. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's possible. You got South Dakota state tonight. That's not a great team by any stretch. And then Minnesota, which is 11th in the big 10 coming in this weekend. So you should be able to string some wins together. Again, you're, you're probably not at this point looking at RPI or an NCAA tournament resume, but it's more about, can you just get rolling headed into, into Omaha? Can you be, uh, you know, in contention maybe for the Big Ten regular season tournament? Can you be safely in the Big Ten tournament to where you're not talking about are you going to make it, but you're talking about seedings and potential uh, positionings and things like that. So I think that's sort of what the value is here down the stretch um, and, and whether they use some of those losses as motivation uh, remains to be seen, but I think their track record under Will Bolt says they generally bounce back well after they hit adversity. Speaking of a guy that needs a bounce back, Jace Kaminska took that little midseason breather, came back against Iowa, unfortunately more of the same. Is it the arm fatigue? Is it the league's figured him out? What's going on with Jace Kaminska? What's left for him the rest of the year? That's a good question. I mean, it's a couple rough outings in a row for him, and you kind of felt like the, the way that he was able to take the Northwestern weekend off could be a real boost for him and for Nebraska down the stretch given that they were able to win that game and it just looked like physically he needed a little rest. And, you know, talking with, with Will Bolt last week, he felt like the, the bullpens were sharp and the numbers said that, uh, you know, maybe he was uh, refreshed yeah, the way that they intended him to be. And, and the command just wasn't always there on, on Saturday with fastball command and uh, just, just not locating the way that he's used to doing it. So um, it, it's, it's an interesting sort of, uh, point or fork in the road for a guy like Kaminska who was really strong to start the year and now it's just been a couple of clunkers in a row and so Minnesota this weekend uh, offensively is no world beater that should be a team that you should uh, be able to do okay against certainly maybe post a quality start go six something like that so we'll see down the stretch but it, it what I think will be interesting too, Austin in the larger picture is if this rotation has another weekend of struggles, I think you'll see a coaching staff that is open-minded about how it can maybe fix that. And so whether that's, uh, you know, considering Shea Shanneman, who's been the closer, moving him back into a rotation spot where he was a year ago, maybe that means uh, you give a guy like Drew Christo, who suddenly had a little bit of a run, more of a chance. So I think this will be, you'll probably see the familiar faces this weekend, but if, if the rotation continues to struggle, I do think the staff is, again, open to finding ways to fix that down the stretch. Well, I want to talk about Drew Christo really quick before we get your uh, spring football wrap-up thoughts here, Evan. It's good to see Drew Christo have you know, those, those eight consecutive innings, the, the eight strikeouts over them, uh, over the four innings last night. That's awesome. I remember when he got to campus, you know, I think there was a bit of a rush to anoint him. You know, the, the big stuff, the power arm, in-state guy. It's awesome that he's having, you know, this success now. But at least from this vantage point, Evan, I'd rather he stick in the bullpen, prove he can do it, you know, that consistently the rest of the year before he moves into the starting role. Because if you're going to move a guy up at the first taste of success, you know, that to me is, you know, good if the team needs it. But if something goes wrong, then to me it would feel like we're right back at square one. How, how do you think the coaching staff views these last few innings from Christo? 
Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't know that you want to rush the guy into a starting role. And I don't know that that's even necessarily imminent, but maybe, you know, again, in a few weeks, if, if they feel like they need a little bit more consistency and he has another good midweek outing, say maybe at Creighton uh, in, in early May, maybe that's something that you, you sort of revisit something like that. But w- with him and, you know, I, I was able to chat with him last night at length about his, his outing, what he has said was his struggles to this point has been being too fine with the mechanics and sort of worrying about that and, and, and not focusing as much on just being competitive with hitters and going out, uh, showing them your stuff, letting them try to hit it, trusting your defense, all that sort of, of thing. And you look at his trajectory in college so far, I mean, he gets up, I think it was eight earned in his first, not from his freshman year into this season has had some control issues, short hooks, and now the last, I think, four or five outings have been scoreless for him. And he goes four, which is a career high for him last night. So, yeah, I, I think you're seeing the progression of a guy who who is building that confidence, who is starting to see that he can get hitters out at the college level. And I, I think you're right, too. I mean, you think about his ranking coming out of high school at Elkhorn. He was a top 100 national prospect. Uh, there was just sort of a general expectation that he would slot right into being a weekend guy as a freshman and, and sort of rolling from there. And it just didn't happen. Uh, not to say that it can't or it won't in the future. It's just been a little bit more of a, a learning curve for him. So I think ideally for Nebraska this season, his role the rest of this, uh, you know, next month and beyond would be kind of what he's doing. Long relief, uh, maybe a high leverage spot here or there. And, and as he's piled up these outings, I think he's definitely – uh, embedding himself further into that circle of trust. Last thing on baseball real quick, Evan, are you hearing anything about what's going to happen with the uh, postponed Creighton game? Yeah, that's looking uh, more and more like they're going to make that up on May 9th before the scheduled game later that evening at Charles Schwab. So I think they're going to pick that thing up. Bottom of the seventh, Nebraska's got the bases loaded with no outs and a tie game. And they'll finish that thing earlier in the day. I, I believe the originally scheduled game is for seven o'clock, so they'll they'll finish up the uh, the suspended game first, and then they should begin with the uh, normal one uh, against Creighton that night. There you go. We're talking Husker baseball now. Husker football, as spring football is done with Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Evan, I saw a tweet you put out a couple hours ago with Braxton Clark being in the transfer portal now. Every member of the, that 2018 recruiting class from Scott Frost is now no longer with the program. And, you know, if you look at it, 2018, that class would have been five years ago. So that's a, a normal cycle, I suppose, with a red shirt and then the four years. But mm-hmm. these are different times with the red shirt year, the COVID year injuries. You would think there would be a guy or two left. But between Clark's departure, the two young receivers and, you know, a new head coach coming in you know, with, with Matt Rule here. Is this the closest thing Nebraska's had to a like a hard program reset in a while? Yeah, I mean, the the switch from Mike Riley to Scott Frost saw a lot of attrition too, but the rules were different back then, right? You couldn't transfer without sitting out, and, and coaches didn't have the ability to essentially cut players while keeping them on academic scholarships. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, what we're seeing at Colorado certainly is the extreme example of what you can do right. in this climate as well. You know, the, the the Braxton Clark thing to me, I mean, he would have been a sixth-year senior. You factor in the COVID year. So so really you're talking about guys who would have redshirted and used the COVID year to come back. I just thought it was, uh, you know, no, notable 
like not not in, in like indicting uh of anything necessarily i just thought it was it was notable that um you know it's it's sort of the end of a of that particular class in that era um and, and you look at the the classes beyond that 2019 2020 there's still a lot of attrition uh, in those too and those would be would be uh classes where players would be juniors or seniors by now and regular contributors and uh, you know i think five years ago if you had those kind of numbers it would be the mark of serious problems within your program and now it's just sort of that's how it is in college football i mean you had five more transfers outgoing today uh you know a guy like stefan Wynn who leaves on the on the d-line i think that was a surprise to people someone who looked like he had uh an inside track to to being a prominent contributor he spoke to reporters a couple weeks ago and seemed like he was gonna be in this thing um for, for the season and for the long haul and it didn't work out. So I think a lot of it's just kind of how it's gone these days, but whenever you have these kind of players depart, especially who've been around so long, I think it just is sort of a, a good moment to pause and reflect and, and just kind of see, man, how much has really changed in that span of time. You mentioned the win transfer, two guys that stood out uh, along the defensive line, kind of outside linebacker edge group, uh, Cam Lenhart, Prince Will, Uman Mielin in the spring game. I'm of two minds with those two guys, Evan, when it comes to Nebraska football this year. It's great that they're flashing as freshmen, but if they're going to be some of your most impactful players, I'm worried about how they hold up in November. How do you think the defensive line and that that edge kind of spot came along this spring? Yeah, I totally agree with that. And and that, to me, still seems like a spot where you're going to need some more bodies if you want to hold up over the uh, course of a season through the rigors of the Big Ten. I mean, we didn't see Ty Robinson, and he's the the obvious clear-cut returning veteran. Um, but beyond that, you really don't have anybody left who's proven it at Nebraska. So, uh, I mean, yeah, to see Uman Mielin and Lenhart uh, with the first-team defense last Saturday I thought was notable. Um, you know, there, there are guys still around, like Ruquan Buckley, who we haven't really seen. Nash Hupmacher, I think, will be uh, somebody who's going to be relied upon more heavily moving forward. But, yeah, I mean, when you, when you talk about those young guys, it's a cool spring game story. It's, a, I think, a, a good glimpse into what Nebraska's future can be along the front line, especially in a year or two when they've had a chance to bulk up. Um, but, but to me, yeah, I mean, if you're rolling with, true freshman on the defensive line right away. I think that says more about what your program is and where your defense is than it does how good maybe those individual players are. And you think about the season ahead, I mean, maybe they can hold up uh, against Minnesota and, and Colorado early on and, and you know, everyone's healthy and you're going at it, but history shows you time. And again, man, when you get into that big 10 season and you get into late October and November and you're playing Wisconsin and Michigan on consecutive weeks, like you're, you're going to wear down if you're not, if you're not um, where you need to be in terms of strength and size. So again, I think the future is bright there, but I, I don't know that you want to rely too much on that if you're Nebraska moving forward, which is why I think, again, some of those guys that are coming back from injury will be key to watch as well as, uh, you know, maybe they'll, they'll kick the tires on somebody in the portal here in the next couple months as well. Uh, flipping to the offensive side of the ball, it's the headline. It's the quarterback position. I, I, I you know, need to ask you about it. Jeff Sims looked fine, not you know, overwhelmingly impressive, but looked in control, in command. You lose two guys out of that room uh, yesterday in Richard Torres and Logan Smothers. 
do you think the quarterback room is settled with Sims, Thompson, Harburg, and Purdy, or do you think there could still be another uh, transfer portal entry from that group? Well, yeah, I mean, it's if you're if you're over unders at like three and a half quarterbacks by fall, I, I think I'd take the over on that. I mean, Chubba Purdy's already transferred once, and so for him to do it again, I think would be a little bit complicating. Casey Thompson, sort of the same deal, even though he's a graduate transfer. I just I don't see him cutting bait at this point and moving on, especially with one year left. Jeff Sims uh, clearly was the best quarterback on the field, in my opinion, on Saturday, and and he'll be right in the mix to to start heading into the into the fall. And um, so you know, I, I I just don't see a situation where those guys leave. Heinrich Harburg probably you know had some throws that he'd like to to have back. I think he held on to that to the one uh, where he threw it to Xavier Betts in the corner of the end zone, where uh, probably an earlier release would have been a touchdown on that particular drive. Uh, there really hasn't been any other rumblings from the coaching staff or anybody else about him changing positions moving forward. I think they like his toughness, his running ability, what he brings to that quarterback spot. So I guess my, my gut would say that the four is probably where they'll stay and, and, and they'll operate with that depth moving forward. But man, you know, again, it's, it's the portal. This window's open until Sunday. Um, they're having those frank discussions with uh, uh, players and coaches all week. Those, those are ongoing. So we'll see how it turns out. Um, but certainly the attrition that we all expected to happen has, has happened. You go from six to four. Um, and I think that the two that left in Torres and Smothers probably are right where you would have expected maybe that attrition to occur too. So um, yeah, I think that's probably where it'll be. And now Nebraska will have its other, its next decision will be, what do you do with quarterback recruiting? Do you, do you continue to look for a, a 2024 uh, kid uh, with the assumption that Dylan Riola is not coming or do you look to the portal? Do you go 2025? So there are other questions that they have moving forward, but I think these are the guys they'll have heading into fall camp. Seven Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Next week for Football 11, I'll ask you about running backs and tight ends. Plenty of questions on that room. But before we get there, looks like it should be a fantastic weekend of weather for baseball. So uh, enjoy uh, the games, the weather, if you can. We'll look forward to reading your coverage on the Omaha World Herald. Thanks, Austin. Once again, Evan Blant of the Omaha World Herald talking Husker baseball and football with us here as he does every Wednesday. Before we get to the shootout, I do want to let you know that this week, the United Way is celebrating 100 years of being there for Lincoln and Lancaster County. Uh, you can join us in being there for our community by making a donation today to help put books in the hands of children. The goal for the day is to raise $2,500. That equates to 100 books. You can find out more and you can make that donation at unitedwaylincoln.com. Or good stuff from Evan on the Husker front. We're going to play the shootout with Strick. Let me see our topic. I have it written down. Here we go. Yes, it is uh, eight seeds and one seeds in the NBA playoffs. How well does Strick know them? How well do you know them? $15 to Buffalo Wings and Rings on the line for you. You beat him, you get the $15. If not, he holds it over your head forever. 402-464-5685. Call now. Playing the shootout with Strick next. 